0: Hey there. Welcome to the third and, dare I say, special episode of The Apartment Cast, the official podcast of the National Apartment Association, the voice of the rental housing industry. I'm your host, Frank Mock, broadcasting from NAA's headquarters just outside our nation's capital. I'm really excited for this episode. We're joined by NAA's three federal legislative affairs directors who lobby on behalf of the industry, Maria Spencer, Jason Lynn and Jody Applewhite, and they're going to walk us through some key pieces of federal legislation for the rental housing industry. So let's just jump right in. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, we're Gearing up here at NAA for our Lobby Day on Capitol Hill during our Advocate Conference, which is March 28th and 29th in Washington, D.C., I've gathered together today NAA's three federal legislative affairs directors who lobby on behalf of the industry, uh, Maria Spencer, Jody Applewhite, and Jason Lin, uh, to walk us through some key pieces of legislation in advance of the conference. Uh, Maria, I'd like to start with you. I, I understand the Choice in Affordable Housing Act Which is aimed at revitalizing the Section Eight program was reintroduced in the Senate at the end of the at the end of January by Senators Chris Coons and Kevin Kramer, a Democrat and a Republican, respectively. Can you walk us through the main provisions of the bill?
1: Sure. Thanks um, for having us on today, and we're excited to have everyone come to advocate. S thirty two was introduced, uh, reintroduced in January. And, um, Bill has a couple of things that I think are important for people to know. Number one, uh, the bill incentivizes landlord participation in the program. It also gives some assistance to public housing agencies to pay, uh, to help pay for things like security deposit and also to help employ a dedicated liaison, which would include helping landlords answer questions about the program, helping them uh, with outreach, recruitment, and and, and retention, and just making it easier for uh, landlords to navigate the process. And I think finally, one of the big big things that we hear a lot from our members is about um, looking at some of the regulatory burdens. And another thing that the bill does, it reduces inspection delays and some of the other regulatory burdens that come along with that. So for example, if you have a property that has been uh, finance through another federal program, um, and that unit has been inspected in the last year, you would not have to go through that process again, which is uh, duplicative. And also um, for someone that would be new to the process uh, program, it would help uh, expedite that, uh, that uh, inspection process. So these are all really good things that um, our members like. And most importantly, it continues to maintain the voluntary nature of the program. That's
0: um, very insightful. And, and I think it's important important to reiterate and really get into, like, how the Choice in Affordable Housing Act helps encourage housing providers to return to the Section 8 program.
1: Yeah, and we know that more than 10,000 mem- people are, are leaving the program, uh, have left the program, and that is, you know, that's a problem. But in order to make sure that we're encouraging people to come back, I think that this bill, um, as I've outlined in some of the things that are in it, helped make it more palatable for people to come back to the program.
0: I, um, I've i heard that lawmakers are sometimes surprised to hear that NAA supports the voluntary Section 8 program. Uh, what can our listeners tell their policymakers about it? Why is it such an important short-term tool to address housing affordability?
1: So I think it's important to know that NAA members have concerns about the program but they support the program. And and just saying that to lawmakers um, goes a long way. Um, We want to see, you know, we we know that people are leaving the program because of all of the challenges that are are a part of the program. But, you know, NAA has been a longtime supporter of the program. Um, This has been a primary um, issue for us in our advocacy efforts um, for quite some time. And just making sure that we are reiterating that that to lawmakers is really important. We support this program. We think that vouchers are important. It helps address housing affordability. And so and it and it puts more units make more units available in a time where we're in a housing crisis.
0: And do you have any insight or can you offer any insight into the process on getting the bill reintroduced in the House?
1: So I think the first thing that, um, we did with, the, with the Senate bill, which is S32, is making sure that, um, we got that bill introduced. I think that, that signals to the House that the Senate at least is prepared to, uh, advance a piece of legislation. And so one of the, you know, so I would say first is, you know, when when you guys come to Washington, D.C. to advocate or if you're in your home districts, tr- we're trying to get more sponsors on the Senate bill. That will signal to the House that this is a bill that has more prospects of passing. So that's number one. I think number two is that um, knowing and and letting your members of congress know particularly in the house particularly amongst the majority that this bill has support from industry and advocates that's something that um, again makes it easier for lawmakers to understand that this is something that in this environment can pass and then finally um, i would say that you know just doing the education sharing your stories about the program um, the things that you that are good about the program but then also the things that you know, need to, to be better in order to maintain the program. So those are all things that will help us get the bill reintroduced in the house. Um, we do think that that will happen sooner than later, but, uh, again, it's, it's a new, new house. There's a, uh, Republican majority now, and we just need to go back and, uh, build the support there that we need to get the bill reintroduced.
0: Perfect. I, I, uh, I think that we have a lot of potential coming up at the end of this month uh, to do just that. Thank you, Maria. Um, Jason, I want to turn to you. I, w- I want to talk about a longer view piece of legislation as far as housing affordability is concerned, the Yes in My Backyard Act or, or YIMBY Act. Um, I understand that this has yet to be introduced in the 118th. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what this bill seeks to achieve?
2: Absolutely, Frank. Uh, thanks so much for having us. Uh, underproduction of housing is a major problem in this country, and it's a major factor in our nation's housing affordability crisis. Exclusionary land use policies like zoning and density restrictions have contributed to this underproduction. So the IMBY Act encourages localities to eliminate discriminatory land use policies and remove barriers that prevent housing from being built. The bill would require a community development block grant recipients to report on the extent to which they're removing these discriminatory land use policies and implementing inclusionary policies. The bill would essentially, then, Frank, increase transparency in land use, zoning, and housing decisions and encourage the elimination of these barriers.
0: What is, what do you think the outlook is for uh, the UMIX reintroduction?
2: I think the outlook is very good. It's a bipartisan piece of legislation. Um, the one roadblock that we've hit thus far is that the chief Republican sponsor in the House of Representatives retired at the end of last Congress. So we're in the process of seeking a new Republican to lead the efforts in the House of Representatives. Uh, the Senate sponsors are ready for introduction, but we are going to introduce both the House and Senate bills concurrently once we find a House Republican to take the lead with the lead House Democrat. So we're recruiting members right now to, to jump on board to take that leadership role. Uh, our hope is that the legislation will will be introduced in both the House and the Senate prior to advocate. That's, uh, that's great news, and, and we'll certainly have a lot of opportunity when
0: uh, the industry is uh, in D.C. at the end of the month to uh, uh, help educate our, our policymakers and their staffs. Um, it, I, it does make me think about this, that the industry did achieve a significant win at the end of last year with the $85 million competitive grant program in the Omnibus package. Uh, can you give the listeners some insight into what that program will do?
2: Absolutely. It was a significant victory for the industry and really for the the policy of trying to uh, provide more inclusive zoning and, and get rid of exclusionary zoning policies. So we sought to try to attach the MB legislation itself to this end-of-year large omnibus appropriations bill, um, and while that proved unsuccessful because it's very difficult to legislate on an appropriations bill which funds various parts of our, our government and around the country, we were able to get that $85 million included for a competitive grant program that will reward state, local, and regional jurisdictions that make progress in improving inclusionary zoning policies and land use policies. Uh, Things like increasing density, streamlining or shortening the permitting process, allowing mixed use and other pro-growth policies that are taken from the YIMBY Act itself would actually be rewarded under this competitive grant program. So it's tied into the YIMBY bill. Um, It should provide an incentive for for state, local and regional groups to to try to improve things, uh, all with the mind, again, of of increasing supply and thereby uh, improving housing affordability. Yeah, I couldn't agree more.
0: It's a huge win. And certainly, um, you know, I'm, I'm very much a, a supply and demand uh, person. And I think, uh, the, you know, the, the best way to, um, quote unquote, control prices to um, meet the demand with um, way more supply. Um, thank you, Jason. Now, uh, Jody, I want to turn to you. I wanted to ask you about the Respect State Housing Laws Act, which was reintroduced in the House at the beginning of February uh, by Representative Barry Loudermilk. Can you walk through what this bill seeks to achieve?
3: Sure. And thanks for having us, Frank. Um, So H.R. 802, which is the Respect State Housing Laws Act, um, the bill will eliminate the CARES Act 30-day notice to vacate requirement that is currently in place for all federally backed and federally assisted properties and would Return the eviction process back to the state. So um, a little bit of background for those who might not be familiar with the CARES Act. Um, Back in 2020, Congress passed the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, which is known as the CARES Act, to blunt the economic damage set in motion by the global coronavirus pandemic. And included in the CARES Act was a temporary 120-day eviction moratorium um, for non-payment of rent in all federally backed and federally assisted housing. But along with the moratorium was a temporary 30-day notice to vacate requirement um, that was put in place um, for when the moratorium in ended on July 24th, 2020. However, due to the way the language was drafted while the eviction moratorium expired, the 30-day notice requirement that intrudes state and local notice periods remains in place today. So here we are in 2023, three years later, and rental housing providers continue to navigate one operational hurdle and financial challenge after another, which is only exasperated by federal interference into state and local law. So this is why the bill introduced by Representative Loudermilk is so important to return the governing of the landlord-tenant relationship back to where it belongs in the states.
0: It's, uh, yeah, it's really interesting that it is um, ultimately just a clerical error. Um, can you give us any insight on the process to get the bill um, introduced in the Senate?
3: Sure. We're currently having conversations with senators to identify a lead for the Respect State Housing Laws Act in the Senate, um, but this is where Advocate comes into play. This is why it's so important for your members of Congress to hear from you about how this, um, how important this issue is to you and how it's affecting your business. Ultimately, they represent you and uh, want to lead on legislation that is directly affecting their constituents.
0: It's interesting. I think this bill really gets at the heart of the uh, dollar of rent data that NAA provides, um, easily found on NAA's website for for our listeners that want to review that. And this federal requirement is is just not a sustainable solution to prevent resident displacement in, in this sort of new post-pandemic reality. Um, what message do the advocates need to carry to Capitol Hill to ensure a wider understanding of this? Uh, again, just what amounts to a clerical error, and and why is this bill so critical um, for the future of apartment operations?
3: Sure. So. Um, Like I said previously, it's so important for our members to um, let their members of Congress know how this um, error has been affecting them. Uh, The pandemic has highlighted rental housing providers' efforts to utilize all available resources and be as flexible as their circumstances allow um, to help their residents avoid eviction and remain stably housed. Yet, the eviction process is critical for resolving landlord-tenant disputes, and for housing providers to um, legally recover possession of their property when a renter might violate the lease agreement. So post-pandemic court backlogs are stretching the eviction process from a number of weeks or months to more than a year in some jurisdictions, um, while housing providers ultimately remain unpaid. So because of the continued enforcement of the CARES Act, 30-day notice to vacate requirement Housing providers face more lost rent while waiting for evictions to be processed in the court. And Frank, you mentioned the dollar of rent data that NAA provides. It's important to highlight that this data finds that 91 cents of every dollar of rent goes to property operations and maintenance. This is ultimately why the Respect State Housing Laws Act is critical to the future of apartment operations. Housing providers use rent to pay their mortgages, cover payroll expenses, pay property taxes, do repairs on their property, um, and pay their insurance and utilities bills. So housing providers rely on timely rent payments to run their business.
0: Thank you for that. Um, Before we close, um, I wanted to ask each of you for a a piece of advice. Um, In a rare moment of vulnerability for me, I'll, I'll admit that my Personal experience with federal policymakers, there there is a certain degree of intimidation when interacting with them. Um, so, for all those who will be at advocate and for those who will be, you know, engaging in at home visits throughout the year, uh, what can you tell them about their interactions to ensure that they are successful in engaging these legislature legislators and their and their staffs? Uh, Maria, we'll we'll start with you.
1: Um, I would say the most important thing to remember is to share your story. Um, you are the expert. No one can talk about how your business is run and the day-to-day uh, experiences that you have with your business better than you. And so um, you shouldn't feel... Uh, intimidated by a staffer or a member. They're, they're really there to listen to what you have to say. And so I think that's the most important thing is sharing with them, you know, your your story and your experience and how these policies impact your day-to-day life.
0: Absolutely. Personal stories are, are so important. Anecdotes are, are generally the best way to uh, get a point across. Um, uh, Jason, uh, uh, some advice from you.
2: Yeah, I would. Maria's exactly right. Um, and as a result of that, you know your business, as Maria said, and you should have confidence going into these meetings. Um, you should have confidence because you do know your business, you know the stories and how these issues impact you. I would also say that in addition to having the confidence uh, because these folks work for you, um, you should also be prepared. And so understand the issues as best you can so you're going in with a, a certain degree of confidence that you understand what you're there to talk about. And um, if you don't know the answer, um, that's okay. If they ask you a question, uh, just let them know that you'll you'll follow up, or or let us on the staff know, and we'll follow up. Uh, but that someone will be back uh, to get them the answer to their question. Uh, you don't have to know everything.
0: That's great advice, and uh, you know, a shameless plug for this podcast uh we're we're presenting uh, really good information today and certainly there will be an issues briefing and advocate before everybody heads to the hill so um we do have a a, um, a whole host of resources and folks who are really knowledgeable but for those um in the industry doing uh doing the work um you know you you already know a lot of this information um jody any any advice from you
3: Yeah, Frank, um, I echo Maria and Jason have said already, Um, you know, you are the expert in this, uh, in all things housing. This is your business and you have your personal experiences carry a far, far more weight than um, when, you know, I might be up there talking to the congressman. You have the personal experience and background and this is your business. So please be confident when you walk into these meetings and know that you're, you're the expert and, um, no need to be intimidated. You, like Jason said, you have elected these members of Congress. They work for you and who knows, it could be your neighbor.
0: Great advice. And, um, you know, once again, uh, Maria, Jason, Jody, thank you so much for your time today. I know that y'all are very busy and have to get down to Capitol Hill right after this. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and let you go. And, um, I will obviously see the three of you, uh, at advocate at, along with the rest of the industry. Again, that's, uh, in Washington, DC, March 28th and 29th. Um, gang, thank you. Uh, thank you for your time today. Thanks again to Maria, Jason, and Jody for sharing time with us today. We'll see them all at NAA's Advocate, our annual advocacy conference, which is the prime opportunity to meet with your policymakers in Washington, D.C. on March 28th and 29th. Pre-registration for Advocate is complimentary for all attendees who registered on or before March 21st. Visit naahq.org advocate for more. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next episode of Apartment Cast, available on all your favorite podcast platforms.